perspective, knowledge, and some fun along the way. This is The Truth on WTMJ. Now, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at The Avenue, here's Denise Thomas and Dr. Ken Harris. Oh, so because they said my name first, you're going to just look at me like that, Dr. Ken? Is that- I got nothing. Oh, my God. Evan, please. <laughs> please. In the name of all good things, just put Dr. Ken's name first. At least because once. At least once. I, just once. Okay, so here, let, let's just recap. I've worked with you now. Hi, Denise. We've we've collaborated as, as partners. How are you, Denise? For about three years. Hope everything's going great. <laughs> and of those three years, two and three quarters have been, and now, the... Dr. Ken Harris and Denise Thomas. And I didn't, and, and I never said minutes, that. And I said it should have been changed then. I get a little notoriety. And five minutes. Yeah. I mean, like maybe mm. like, a, like six, a, eight months. No. Evan, when did we start this? Uh, a couple years ago, Greg Hill was the producer back when you guys first started. No, no, no. Oh, did you just dump it on Greg? Wow. No, but I'm just saying I haven't been the producer the whole no, time. No, I, mean, wow. I knew it. That was Greg Hill's deal. Right. Wow. Dude, that's Evan. Evan's like, no, I mean, like My when we started Bennett? with Denise yeah. Thomas and Dr. Oh, Ken. Oh, that was probably about a, six months ago. No. Well, we've had these Sundays where we haven't had shows because of bucks and holidays. So I'm trying to remember. It's been probably a few weeks. Oh, come exactly. Thank that's you. Not, Thank not you, counting, Evan. Not counting that's the shows true. where you've been solo, Dr. Ken. A few weeks, and yeah. you're over there just having a temper tantrum. Did you just call me a child? I said you're having a temper tantrum. Children have temper tantrums. Well, how's everybody doing? Notice how my voice got off. <laughs> right. I think I have just a, me a, I think I have a solution for eight nah. o'clock, and well, you guys are find out at eight o'clock what that solution is. Nah, Uh-oh. that's okay. Uh oh, that's all right. Keep it's getting it interesting. Good evening and welcome. You're listening to the Truth on TMJ. <laughs> Uh, she is Denise Thomas. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. Welcome this evening. Um, we've got a topic that I think is going to <laughs> might take the whole show. Oh, it will. Um, That's for sure. And, and I, I think it'll be interesting. By the way, the old National Bank talking text line is 855-616-1620. I think it'll give you um, pause. Um, I'm pretty sure the only... Two people that can't talk about it in here are Patrick Kane and <laughs> Evan because, well, I just don't know if they're old enough. But And we know that yeah. you are. And I am. And I take strong. We're going to talk about. Strong. Um, <laughs> rest, love, greatness in, in, in being the elder statesman here so that I can speak my mind. And when somebody says something, they just have to be quiet. And to your present point, company, uh, yes, ma'am. I need to respect yes, my ma'am. elders, so let me let me demonstrate right that as effective right. immediately. I guess a for the duration clock is right twice a day. So <laughs> for could, the duration of today's segment, I am going to demonstrate the utmost respect. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Oh my goodness! What? <laughs> okay, I tell you what. The truth. Uh, the truth. You can tell where my brain is. The old National Bank talking text line is 855-616-1620. Again, the old National Bank talk and text line is 
616-1620. Anytime. And you, and you see the tagline? Old National Bank. Get old. Boom. That's me. They you were just, thinking about me. So anyway. I wish I owned Dear old Valued National Listeners, Bank. if at any point of today's segment, beginning now through 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, if you hear anything that you perceive as me disrespecting Dr. Ken, please let me know. Bing. Either call in or text. <laughs> Bing. I, I'm, I'm someone. I know. I'm a woman of my word. Bing. So today is the 26th day of February. Yes. 2023. We are in the last week of Black History Month. Yep. And as part of, for me, and again, I want to emphasize for me, a significant part of black history, which prior to my attending a leadership seminar in Colorado last week, did not include President Lyndon B. Johnson. Growing up in my household and with other relatives, there were two people Two people that were portrayed in terms of like framed picture in my grandmother's house, in my parents' house, in uncles and aunts' houses. And that was President John Fitzgerald Kennedy and Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Reverend Dr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Never heard anything about Lyndon B. Johnson other than he inherited the presidency he failed with the Vietnam War, and he was a racist. Those are the three things that I heard growing up. Now, I attend a seminar where we dissected the Lyndon B. Johnson presidency. And I'll tell you all this just to kind of kick it off before we go to break. I, I The one word that I use to describe President Johnson, which is a word that I'll use to describe my leadership style, he was an opportunistic. But there's here's my thing. There's nothing wrong when you are someone who is driven by power to be very intentional and even strategic with how you lead so that you are regarded as someone who had impact. And again, just listening to tapes, recordings, because I don't know if any of y'all know this, but President Johnson recorded all of his conversations in terms of the in, in the White House, in the Oval Office. And when he did not uh, submit his hat for re-election, he took all of those recordings, put them in a box, sealed them tightly and said, do not open until 50 years later. And we heard many of those conversations, a lot of which were with Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Reverend Dr. And the reason Martin I said that, King ecclesiastical Jr. before academic. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> you know, the age is helping oh, me you. remember that. That's all. After everything I just said, <laughs> that's that's what you <laughs> that that's your op ed. That's that's what you're bringing to this conversation. Okay, so I I really really. As, as a broadcasting journalist, as someone who is very intrigued by the American presidency, yep. I left with this, Dr. Ken. Do your homework. 
don't just base your interpretations or even your assessments on American presidents until you have fully done your research and not just base it on. Cause at that time there was still only three, three news networks. That was CBS, ABC and NBC. There was no 24 hour news broadcasting. There definitely wasn't social media. And what I, what I love about the presidency of Lyndon B. Johnson is that however you felt about him in terms of how he, you know, managed, for lack of better words, Vietnam, this president got a lot of stuff done. Yes, he did. He so I, I just want to dissect that when we come back. Absolutely. I, feel, I felt so educated. I get that John F. Kennedy was the more was was the easier on the eyes, <laughs> charismatic, not as crude as President Johnson. But right. when we come back, let's let's talk about the presidency of Lyndon B. Johnson. Welcome back to the truth on WTMJ. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. She is the effective communication coach. Did hey, I get it right? You did. Hey, thank you. That broken clock thing, right? Thank you. Thank don't, you. Don't ask me again until at least after 8 o'clock because I won't remember it. Why would you not remember it? I'm, I'm just playing old. I'm doing the old oh, National Bank. No, get old. no. Oh, man. <laughs> I just made a pack. I, I was about to Ding. say something. I was, whoa, <laughs> boy. I was, whoo. I almost, almost said had it, her. But I almost. didn't. You can't, uh, you can't provoke me, Yes, though. I can. 855-616-1620. If you want to... Di- We're having a discussion during Black History Playing Month. Playing old. Regarding... Uh, I'm sorry. The, we was got, I on the air? You got it. I thought I was muted. You know you just failed in your no, quest. No, I thought... <laughs> you just made an old joke. Evan, I thought you I hit the mute button. No. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and if, if you have any comments about Lyndon Baines Johnson, uh, 855-616-1620. So... I guess for this, for the next hour, hour and a half, I, I get to interview you about the things you learned about Lyndon Johnson, the things that we know about him publicly. Mm-hmm. But then there are a lot of things that we don't know about him. Um, all we hear about is if we get those blank people to vote for us now, they'll vote for us forever, which actually came true. Um, all those types of things. But we, but we, we didn't hear... The and, and I'm trying to think of it. Um, if if all the things that passed in the '70s that uh, Richard Nixon funded, you know, the Office for African American Affairs and all mm-hmm. that other stuff, you know, civil rights and put money behind it and voting rights, Johnson was only able to because the legislature wouldn't give him money for it. He was the person that's that. That started the car and put his foot on the gas. Absolutely. Nixon may have steered it and subsequent presidents, but he's the one that was the spark. What is it about Lyndon Johnson's growing up in Texas that that brought out that in him? He came from very humble beginnings. He was not born into as such as his predecessor, President Kennedy, he was not born into that Northeast old money. No. Well, very humble well, beginnings. Well, when dad's a robber baron, I guess you can. Right. And his mother was uh, an educator and he then became an educator. And his first 
teaching job was to a group of Mexican-American third grade students. Mm -hmm. And to sum it up, to answer your question at a macro level, President Lyndon B. Johnson, based on what he knew at that time, his and his environment, I, I have no reservations in saying that President Lyndon B. Johnson was a president that led with moral obligation. He was driven by moral obligation, like this is the right thing to do. And he pushed the Civil Rights Act. He pushed the Voting Rights Act, and he pushed the Fair Housing Act. And when we come back from break, what I appreciate about Lyndon B. Johnson, because in the 60s, I wasn't alive. Were you alive? Yes, I was, and it was a great time. <laughs> During the 60s. You know those count against you, right? How? I asked, are oh, you? Come on, come on. We got to so go to break. Go during, during the 60s, <laughs> there was a huge huge shift in terms of civil rights, social justice, integration of schools, et cetera. The list goes on and on. And Lyndon B. Johnson, if you look at his timeline, he was the, he was the president that got stuff done based off of tragedy. So then when the right, the Watts riots took place in night, mm-hmm. that's when he got, he, he leveraged that and got the fair housing act passed when king was assassinated i believe that's when he got the voting rights act signed and then when president kennedy was assassinated and i'm doing this in the wrong order president kennedy was assassinated he got the civil rights act signed when dr king was assassinated he got the voting rights act signed and when the riots took place um in california the watts riots the famous watts riots he got the Fair Housing Act. So he was very tactical as well as strategic in his leadership, but he got stuff done. He was very hands-on. And so when we come back, I want to go through that. I want to I want to look at at from 1964 when he took over the presidency, how he came to create what we now understand as modern liberalism, but not in a way that most people use the word liberal. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to The Truth on WTMJ. You're listening to The Truth on TMJ. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. My co-host, compadre. um, Younger. um, Co-host. Younger. Um, okay. No more bells. No dings. They've been outlawed on my show. Why? On 1017, they're outlawed here. Why? No. Who are you? This is not a communism. You can't just declare we're not using the bells. Come on now. This is democracy. Let's take a vote. As Denzel. There's three people. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Let me tell you something. We're not doing that. Okay. (laughs) We're not doing that. This is a, this is a station of democracy. Yes, but. But what? A station of democracy? We will we will vote accordingly. She says that she's talking about Lyndon Baines. Okay. Yes, ma'am. You're not gonna Johnson treatment me. <laughs> you're not gonna Devo me. <laughs> you're not you're not gonna do like he did. Uh, oh, this man. is going to pass. And, and the and, and going going back to Johnson before we break for news, 
his tone was so subdued, he could talk people into stuff that they had. Absolute. I am never doing that. And right. And they would do it. it. Right. That's what they called it. They literally called it the Johnson treatment, yep. which in my community is known as Debo. Right. You Deboed me. I got right. Deboed. Yeah. But to your point, um, what, whatever it took, whether it was flattering people, threatening people, <laughs> Which, uh, which he could do very well. You know what? I'm, yeah, and it, whatever it took, he got again the creation of Medicare, Medicaid, Head Start, the National Endowment for the Arts and Humanitarian. So he was big. His his wife, Lady Bird Johnson, was big on what was known as she was the truth. beautification. Yes, and as a result of that, highways all across the United States, in particular, that's why when you go to Texas. It, it, seriously, the highway beautification yeah. started there, but it, it it was part of the Johnson administration, federal aid to education, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, and again, the Fair Housing Act of 1968. He got stuff done. And, and the Fair Housing Act of 1968 was one of his last greatest legislative achievements, to your point. There's still, and what was the term you used, Dr. Harris? The teeth, the teeth in the game, or what was that phrase that you used? I'm, I'm too old to remember. Now, see, he said it, I didn't. <laughs> but I can say it. But these, these acts, these policies right. that despite however you felt about Lyndon B. Johnson, he is the most, as far as I'm concerned, I'll say one of the most accomplished True. presidents True. that ever held the office of president of the United States. And that that's a fact. And so, actually did it in a, in a fairly balanced way for yes. everybody. And even though he was a Democrat, he right. did it. He actually worked his way up. Yeah. I believe yeah. he started um, working under Teddy Roosevelt as a, as an intern of some sort. Yep, started as a teacher and then um, doo, doo, doo. on U.S. Capitol. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Sure and did. he also, for those that did not know this, he started the public broadcasting PBS. PBS. Yep. Sure he started did. the White House Fellows Program. And he also, which I thought was Kennedy, but it's actually we, him. Before we go to Patrick Kane on the news, is he made Apollo a national. Priority, so mm-hmm. we were able to go to the moon in 1969. You're listening to The Truth on TMJ. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. She is Denise Thomas. Back to The Truth on WTMJ. the truth segment on WTMJ the ta- old national bank talk and text line is 18 
1620. You know, as old folks just get glasses and bifocals on, listen, they don't bother with that. Listen. Wait a minute, let me come in. I'm going to do this over here. Dr. Harris, I broke my glasses. <laughs> I'm human. Ooh. So I am I am in the in the process of getting some replacements. President Lyndon B. Johnson, American presidency. And you know, and I'm gonna say this. I'm just gonna I'm gonna get your natural reaction. I see a lot of president, I see a lot of similarities in terms of leadership between Johnson and Biden. Absolutely. I knew not. you were gonna say that. And you knew saying that. You knew, that, you knew that was like out of bounds because all by itself. Johnson and Biden were very relationship oriented. They, they would like call people and say, hey, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. Except the list that you read that he got stuff done. I think. Okay. I think Biden's going to get stuff done in his second. Term. We said, okay, you, better, you can't even say that with a straight face. Stop. Ooh. We're talking about the presidency Ooh. of Lyndon B. Johnson. Here's something I wanted to ask you, Dr. Ken. Yes. Focusing on Lyndon B. Johnson. After I left the seminar, these are my top five presidents. These are my top five. I'm curious to know yours. President Carter. And by the way, he's in hospice. Did yes, you know he's that? In, he's in hospice. and He's and, a warrior, though. He's probably going to last. The, he's the eldest while I think, uh, no, Barack Obama is the youngest. Yes, yeah. living. Right. And so when. I got to finish my top five. Okay. okay. President Carter. Okay. These are in no order. Oh, good. President Carter, Lyndon B. Johnson, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, and earlier I said Teddy Roosevelt, Lyndon B. Johnson was mentored by Franklin D. Roosevelt. Franklin Delano, yeah. Yes. So those are my top five. Order, I would have to put it Johnson. And then I would have to put um, Clinton second in terms of things they did. Absolutely. Not, Me too. not for the Democratic Party, not for minorities or no. majority or whatever, but for America. Yep. They got more done, um, were able to reach across the aisle and get things done mm-hmm. versus pretty much any other president. And see, that's the thing. As American voters, you know, especially now with social media and technology we get so caught up in these lenses and it's like, right. we, you have to do better in terms of researching. But the lens is where you start. <clears throat> it's not where you stop. It's not where you stop. But again, I knew Johnson prior to last week as a racist president who inherited the presidency from president Kennedy and took the country to war in Vietnam for no unknown reason. And for that, he did not, run for re-election. I mean, it just it was just negative things. Right. I did not associate. I knew that he got the Civil Rights Act signed, but I attribute it to he inherited it and he had to finish the legacy of the Kennedy or John F. Kennedy. I didn't realize that he actually got stuff done. He got things done. And it wasn't just acts. It was programs Along with his wife, Lady Bird Johnson. So again, I think it's important. Now, let me ask you this. Well, he he did win an election <clears throat> because he took over for 
Kennedy yep. in 63. Then yep. he had an election in 64, and he did 65 through 69. He just didn't. He was just elected once. He, he, let, he let the country know. Right. I'm out. Based on Vietnam, right. I don't want to go out being regarded as the worst president of all time. Right. So I did the best I could do. I used my power the best way that I could. And now I'm going to bow out with some dignity. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not. I didn't. He, his father, and his grandfather had a history of cardiovascular disease. So he knew that he wasn't going to live a long time. He had a, he had a heart attack that he survived at the age of 55. And then he had another one at the age of 64 when he died. And he was alone in his bedroom, had a massive heart attack, and, and died. But he, he, had, he knew, based on the, the longevity or the lifespan, I should say, not longevity, but lifespan of his father and grandfather. I think both of his, his father and grandfather died in their late 50s and early 60s. Mm-hmm. So for him to live to be 64... That was that was pretty long. Yeah. He didn't have the best diet. We 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 talked about that. But I mean, can you I, I can't imagine working long hours the way that he worked and be conscious about eating salads and fruits all day, every day. Always. Always eating. Yeah. He gained a little weight too during that last A little bit. <laughs> but didn't they all he got a little thick? Didn't they all? Barack Every Obama single didn't. president. Every, no, he did not gain weight. No, he didn't. Can I? Can I finish? Go ahead. See, that's how she treat old people. See, that is exactly. He said, "I never said you were old." That is exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I said I was old. Me, an old National Bank. <laughs> this is the truth on WTMJ. You're listening to The Truth on TMJ. I'm Dr. Ken Harris, along with Denise Thomas, effective communication coach. She's been schooling me on communications today, and she was hollering at me. But you know, I was I'm not hollering at you, Never Dr. The Ken. Truth get in the way of a good story. <sighs> so anyway, we were talking about <laughs> the American presidency, in particular under the Lyndon B. Johnson administration, and I recently, as of last week, literally a week ago today, I was in Colorado attending a seminar that dissected his presidency. Fascinating president. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. And I will say this with the utmost confidence, no reservation, no hesitation. I see a lot of me in Lyndon B. Johnson in terms of leadership style. Because I'm very like, either I'm going, either you're going to give it to me or I'm going to take it. However you want to do it. Boy, if they could see my face on the radio. I'm going to get what I want. Very ambitious, extremely ambitious, and was dedicated to his career. I saw I saw a lot of me as I was learning more about his life as a politician, how he led with moral obligation, how he shifted what was known as... so. I'm, I'm, I know you know this, Dr. Ken. Black folks voted Republican prior to, I would say, what year was that when they kind of revolutionized the party? Wasn't that under Johnson? 
68. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he was coming out. Yep. And, you know, for this man to get the Civil Rights Act, the Fair Housing Act, and the Voting Rights Act passed as a white male Texan. And I say that because Texas was even then and still is a red state. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about persistence. Well, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if it took persistence per se. Um, in terms of fighting, I think it, I think it took a, a rational thought to say if I need to get something, that I need to give something. And he was masterful at saying, "What do you want?" Mm-hmm. Like, what what do I have that I can give you so we can get this done? So I can get this and get that right. done. The money that they poured into the Apollo program, think think about that. We went to the moon because Kennedy only said it. Mm-hmm. Johnson actually did it, and so there were a lot of check marks after he went out of office that Nixon took credit for, but really didn't do anything about it because there were, you know, I mean, it, it was like Clinton coming into office, right? Mm-hmm. Like what idiot would change anything? I'm looking at what happened under Reagan. I'm looking eventually and all my economists say, dude, if you just wait and let it roll, the nineties are going to turn into something that's going to be phenomenal for you. And he did. And they, and they say, Oh my God, the economy was great under Clinton. I'm like, right. I wouldn't have done anything either. And that's the, those are the remnants. All the things that happened that you talk about with Johnson were the remnants of all the things he put in place from the day he Absolutely. took office on, on Air Force One, standing next to, to Jackie Kennedy, to the day he left office. This is what I loved about, one of the other things I loved about Johnson, he was very big on optics. Yep. Because yep. He, he asked First Lady. Right. Jackie Kenny to be on Air Force One versus waiting for the formalities. And he knew that the American people needed to see First Lady Jackie Kennedy. Right. Because I think based on my knowledge, they had to there was no Google. They had to get somebody to call, I think it was Bobby Kennedy who was the attorney general and say, hey, what is the right way to swear in Johnson? But you also understand, and, and before we go to break, they didn't have to. They didn't have to, but he made the decision to do that. Well, that's what the public needed to yes, see. Yes, and that's right? what the public needed to see at that moment. It, it's like the inauguration. Yeah, they didn't have to do we it. Don't but need that an was, inauguration. That's what I'm saying. He was very much about optics and, right. and the moral obligation. Very true. You're listening to The Truth on TMJ. Welcome back to The Truth on WTMJ. You're listening to The Truth on TMJ, Denise Thomas, I'm Dr. Ken Harris, the old National Bank, old oh, National Bank, ghetto, oh, see, she old. said she wasn't going to do it and she gave today's date. And I am simply underscoring, um, old National te- Bank is super, 262-498 on the old National Bank, talking text line, says, talking about presidents, Truman desegregated the military. Um, had the federal government hire minorities in 1948 by executive orders in 1940. But here's the issue with him desegregating the military. He said it. They just didn't do it. So we could talk about Truman doing things like that. But no, my father was in the, in the army in like 51. No, it was not desegregated. 
in actuality. Um, I'm going to digress a little they, bit. Go ahead. They went on to say, met with the NAACP, first president to do so, from racing tour guide at Truman's Little White House in Key West, pioneer of civil rights long before the activists in the 60s. Well, if you understand anything about civil rights, they had been banging that drum since the 1940s and the 50s and the 60s, and every single president past it gave it no money, no teeth, no nothing. Mm -hmm. So when we say that, right, we have to look at who funded it. I don't really care about all the other stuff. If you didn't fund it, that's, that's like giving me a water bottle with no water in it. But anyway. I digress. Well, to further digress, I had a problem with the only this is the main problem that I had with Vietnam. This is the main problem is at the time, black folks made up about and I'll have to do the fact check because I know people are like, Denise doesn't back up her stuff with facts. So I will do a fact check. But basically. At the time, the black population. In America. Was about 10 to 12 percent in in what year the 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 vietnam time frame 30 percent of those that were drafted and sent to fight in vietnam were black now the main reason why there was so much protest against vietnam is because the draft targeted what type of people? Younger people, unless you were in college. A lot of black folks weren't in college, and so they, they were drafted. Came back already dealing with disparities, marginalizations, discrimination, and now coming back from Vietnam War, mental health, on top of all those other things. I'm not necessarily attributing that to Johnson, but I just wanted to underscore when you brought up Truman in terms of the desegregation didn't, didn't help us much True. at all as far as black people. True. Going back approximately 300,000 African-Americans served in Vietnam war, uh, 31% of ground battalions, mm-hmm. while the percentage of African-Americans as a general population was only, 12. Exactly. So, oh, I, was off, I was off one digit. So I'm you were off of one digit. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more about Lyndon Baines Johnson during this uh, celebration of Black History Month. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. She's Denise Thomas. And you're listening to The Truth. Perspective, knowledge, and some fun along the way. This is The Truth on WTMJ. Now, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, here's Here's Dr. Ken Harris. Nah, 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 give yourself a buzzer for that one, buddy. I don't think so. What's going on with my, there we go. I was like, I can't hear myself. You don't like that? No. Well, then we'll just keep what we have, Denise Thomas. A.K.A. That's Beyonce fine. featuring Dr. Ken Harris featuring like A.K.A. Kelly Rowland. So let's and I and I know the old dude. Is that, that I never on? said that, but I did. Old National Bank talk and text line is eight five five six one six one six two zero. Old National Bank, get old. I did. Favorite <laughs> favorite Lyndon B. Johnson quote for me. 
Now, in 1964, after President John F. Kennedy was assassinated, the Civil Rights Act was under a lot of heat because now what? The country was like, now what? Now that dear John F. Kennedy has been assassinated, how is the Civil Rights Act going to continue? Using the power that was basically, or I should say accidentally thrust on President Johnson as a result of President Kennedy's assassination. Many of President Johnson's advisors counseled him to wait until he actually won the presidency in his own right before using a previous political capital, i.e. Kennedy administration, for such a controversial legislation. Again, I'm talking about the Civil Rights Act. Do you know what President B. Johnson said? This is so Denise. What did he say? He's like, and I quote, what the hell is the presidency for? Exactly. Whether I inherit it or not, I'm right. president. Right. I'm president. Right. So why do I need to wait to be elected? I'm president. Let's get this bill. I mean, excuse me. Let's get this act passed. Right. I love that. Yeah. Because even when his advisors were like, yeah, this is real controversial. We're going to be literally changing. You, you only get to sit here so long. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to be literally taking down signs that say coloreds only, whites right. only. This is going to start, you know, anti-discrimination laws, et cetera. And President B. Johnson was like, quote, what the hell is the presidency for? Mm-hmm. Now, see, that is what I'm talking about. That's leadership. It doesn't matter because here's the thing. We, we get caught up and we as Americans, we get caught up in the how, how people are saying things, how people are doing things. And there is a certain degree where you need to, you need to evaluate people's how. To me, effective leadership is where I'm not so much focusing on how you get it done as long as you're not causing physical harm to someone else. As long as you're doing it with integrity, which Johnson did, focus on the what? Focus on the outcome. Because his strategy was, if I, can't, if I can't get people to just do the right thing, then I will triumph off of tragedy. Kennedy Assassination, Civil Rights Act. King, King Assassination, Voting Rights Act. Watts riots in 1965. Fair Housing Act. And as a black American, I can sit here today in this studio and look at you, Dr. Ken, and say, if those acts had not been passed, I would not be in this studio looking at you, hearing my name before yours. (laughs) I had to throw that in. That was kind of good. No, you don't. Okay. Whatever floats your boat. In all seriousness, I would not be (laughs) in this room if it were not for that type of diligence, dedication, and commitment because if you if you hear, if you watch, you can YouTube his famous Civil Rights Act speech that he presented in front of the House of Representatives. He says, 
You know, a lot of you in this room, and I'm paraphrasing, are caught up in this being about the Negroes. This is about all Americans. All Americans deserve to have the right to access whatever they perceive as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, including, and I'm using the word because that was the term relative back in that time, Negroes. But I just want everybody to know, nowadays, you you call me a Negro, we're probably going to have a sidebar conversation. That's that's no longer in the vernacular, okay? I just want to educate. Now, I might give you a pass if you're Dr. Ken's age, because, you know, he was around during the Civil War under President Lincoln. But if you were born between Carter and... (laughs) You you don't even make it fun, Dr. Ken. You don't even react. We're not messing with you. If you were born between the Carter administration and the Clinton administration and you use the word Negro, we probably need to have a conversation. Welcome back to The Truth on WTMJ. Are you are you going to get me back now, Dr. Ken? Just no, be, I'm not. Just be gentle. I'm not going to. Just be back. gentle. I don't even remember I'm what sensitive. you said. I'm sensitive. Okay, I don't good. What you said? I mean, just, if you want just, me to remind just, you, he'll just play it. Yeah, remind me what you said again. I was I was saying I that. I'm I sorry. Was, I was mm-hmm. saying that the word Negro mm-hmm. was used during the LBJ administration. If you were born between the Carter administration and the Mm -hmm. Clinton administration, you probably don't want to use that term when referencing black or African-Americans or people of African descent. And I said that when you were around during the civil war under Abraham Lincoln's presidency, there were all kinds of words that were used. That's, that's, I mean, I was just being factful. And so going with that, I, I, I refuse to acquiesce power to people regarding words. I think that's one of the unfortunate things that we do, that we are literally not open to anyone saying anything that offends anybody to the point where, why don't you let the, and, and, and it's funny that that's what that book we were talking about. Black liberation in the marketplace. Let the marketplace decide what a person. Don't cancel somebody because you didn't like what they said. And we gonna shut. We gonna shut off all your money. We gonna if you let that person keep going on their own. Oh, I eventually. I, I completely am, am so against the whole cancel culture. Oh, it's. it's I'm ridiculous. just saying that one on one. If you refer to me, because I remember it was probably a month ago. I was at the airport. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. I'm going to the airport, and a lady. You keep buying the wrong seats on airplanes. Right. You're supposed to be in the, row uh, 20. Trust me. The single digit seats it, are not it, for you, it. Denise. Um, so there was a lady. She appeared to be, I would say, visibly, if I had to guess, between the age of 70 to 80 years old. Right. And she was struggling because she had her suitcase and she had just left one of those magazine stores where you can get snacks, mm-hmm. et cetera. And she had her cell phone in one hand. And she had the back. I mean, she was just struggling, trying to get to her her gate. And I noticed her struggling, and the bag fell. And she's whoever's on the other side of the phone. She's saying, "Hold on, hold on, one second. I'm just trying to get situated." And I I said, "Ma'am, 
Because nowadays I, I ask, I ask people, are you okay with me entering your personal space, you know, to assist you? And I said, ma'am, can I help you? And she said, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. So I gave her her bag and made sure that she was a little bit more organized. Now, as I'm walking away from her, she apparently assumed that I wasn't in hearing range and I could hear her tell the person on the phone, this lovely colored girl just helped me with my things. But that's all she knows. That's what I'm saying. Right. I did not. I didn't go up to her and be like, would you call me? Would you say? Because, <laughs> again, she she appeared to be between 78 years old. Now, somebody who appears to be 25, 30 and says that I'm going to ask them, where do they hear that word? And please do not refer to me as colored. Again, in your life. Period. I would, I, no, I would be out of curiosity, genuine curiosity. I'd be like, where did you hear that word from in 2023? If you appear to be a millennial or a Gen Zer, where did you hear the word colored? I don't care where you heard it. You should probably not use it. But if you do use it, I get to see, I believe in personal cancellation. I just stop talking to you. Stop taking your calls. Stop taking your emails. Delete. And that's that. And, and here's the thing. I don't have a problem. Like, you know, it's funny because sometimes people will say, you know, like that, that black lady over there, please identify me. I, I have no problem being black. I have no problem with somebody saying the black lady. Now, if you say the black lady over there because she's black, I think she stole something. That's a whole nother conversation. But as far as my identity, yes, please. Why do you think people have such an issue with? the identity of people being black or people referring to themselves as, as black. I, I argue, and, and you tell me before we go to break, I, I argue to the point where I was in a meeting, a very large meeting, and I had to ask the person who was speaking. Matter of fact, I think I did it um, during my show mm-hmm. on 101.7 The Truth. Friday, we had Rachel Ferguson, uh, Van Mobley, and... Jason Fields as guest to talk about her book, um, Black Liberation in the Marketplace. What one of the things I said, and somebody said it, you know, white people and people of color, and I went, time out. Do not refer to people that are not white as people of color. Because what you do is you take white people and you give them an identity and you take every other ethnicity and race. And you lump them into one. Well, that's just as like and minorities. That's, and that's problematic. I don't like the word minority. Call me what I am. If you have an issue with it, call me, sir. But it's a huge faux pas in my eyes to refer to an entire group of people as one group. Because now that gives you power mm-hmm. that I don't have. That's the same with minorities. Yes, absolutely. It's a very sub- it's it's minimizing. It's yep. it's basically conditioning people to say that I'm major and you are minor. Yeah. Has nothing to do with population. And when we come back in that same vein. Because if that's the case, then I'm the majority now. If I'm gonna be put well, that's the whole point. That's what I'm saying. Right. And so when we come back, we'll we'll even explore whether or not Dilbert should have been canceled. Oh or my not. god. This friendly person. Aha, uh-huh, I see. I caught uh, myself. I don't think that's what she was going to say. <laughs> Welcome back Welcome to The back. Truth on WTMJ. Back. 
The old National Bank talking text lines 855-616-1620. Connie out of Manitowoc submitted this text. It says, I ask with sincerity. I teach to kill a mockingbird. I thought Negro was okay. What would be the appropriate term? Thank you very much. P.S. I'm 53. Connie also says, I should clarify. We say it's okay to say Negro. The other word is never okay. We say African-American or black. Is that appropriate? I want to teach the historical literature correctly. Connie, you are doing the right thing. You are teaching the historical literature correctly because in that time of which to kill a mockingbird took place, the politically correct term was Negro. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. used the word not to say that because he said it's okay. I'm just saying that in that time, yes. Um, Present day, 2023, depending on the individual. So, for example, I prefer to be, in terms of race, to be classified as black. I I am of African descent, and I know that for sure because I just did my 23 and me. However, I, you know, my my ancestors were stolen from their homeland. They were human trafficked. They were raped. They were threatened that if you even attempt to read, you will be killed. If you even attempt to leave this plantation, you will be killed. And by the way, you'll never see your kids again because we're going to separate you, who you thought was your husband, and your kids, and you'll never see them ever again. And I bring that up because... Regardless of whatever term that you use in present day, when talking about black people, black Americans, understand that there is a lot of feelings associated with each of those phases. And when I say phases, I mean to kill a mockingbird, Negro, then you had Afro-American, then you had African-American, Again, some some prefer black, such as me. Regardless, the associated feeling of when you hear those words is where we have the biggest opportunity. Because if you have no problem waking up in the morning and not saying, you know, I'm a proud white person or I am a white woman or I'm a white man. And then when you hear people such as myself say, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud, or I'm black and I'm proud, or I'm, I'm a black woman. Know that I don't have the privilege of not living in my race. I don't have that privilege. And privilege has nothing, again, to do with socioeconomic status. It has nothing to do with whether or not you came from humble beginnings or affluent beginnings It has everything to do with the color of your skin. Now, Andrew Young, who was an advisor and dear friend of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Actually, I'm going to have to fact check this because I don't want to mess this quote up where he talked about racism is more about class than anything else. And I disagree with that. Because as far as I'm concerned, It doesn't matter if I have $5 million in my bank account or $5. I'm still black. 
and I could walk into any public establishment with $5 million in my bank account and still be seen as lesser than because of the skin, this color of my skin. I would have to argue that. I, I am in agreement with um, Andrew Young. I, I, I have seen it, but I guess you have to have the right mentality too, right? You have to have the right thought process going to not allow certain things to bother you. In the end, if you don't want me to shop in your place, I'm literally taking my money. I'm going to tell everybody else not to shop there too, but, but I'm going to take my money and I'm going to go somewhere else. But at a certain point in life, when you live certain places, when you go certain places, um, you, you know, wait, 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 wait. Rather than argue it, I would suggest that you read the book Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. The same woman who wrote the book The Warmth of Other Sons about the migration from the South, mm-hmm. where people think these droves and droves and droves of black people came north. It was only 10% of the population. The book cast gives a very, very clear understanding of how in those same lines, money and then position was able to cause people to be upper class. And literally, barring the other um, idiotic things people did, how much money you made made certain things drop away. There are, there are certain things my children didn't experience because of where their parents worked and the income and even today. And so I used to really argue, you know, racism and this and that. And that. But I found is that when people got upset, when Rosewood rioting, um, Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Greenwood, when those things happened, it was because of money. And I learned it living in Milwaukee that many people got upset with me when I first moved here and I couldn't understand why. And what I found out is that the equality came is, and th- this, is, this is me before we go to break, when people perceived me to be less than them, they were perfectly fine. When people perceived me to be so far beyond them that they kind of went eh. people in general or people black in general, people? Okay. people in general. Eh. But when a white person perceived us to be equal, I got significant pushback, significant stabs in the back. What, what can you give us an example uh, of the, when you experienced a white person treating you right. as equal sitting around talking Milwaukee police department. I'm new. Everybody's going, well, you know, I have an associate's degree with Thunder and I'm because their assumption was I moved here and I like graduated from high school and I just showed up and got a job as a cop. So what made you feel that they were treating you as equal? That's what they said. No, 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 no. My perception was over time as I had conversations with 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 white people. And this is this is anecdotal. Mm -hmm. As I had conversations with white people, once they perceived me to be something. They, they were okay. And I thought to myself, what is that? I don't understand what that is. Opposite, right? Sitting in Wauwatosa, I'm a professor, and, a, and I'm, I, I'm at one of those long tables in Starbucks. Those long tables, we got like four or five seats on each side. 
I sit there. It is crowded in the Starbucks. White people walk in and see me sitting there and go sit somewhere else or leave. I'm laughing now because I'm like, wow, you actually left because you didn't want to sit at the same table with me. Kid, two tables away, looks over. Hey, Dr. Harris, how are you? That's my professor. Everybody around me started nodding, smiling. Huh? Huh? It's that perception. So if I'm Dr. Harris, they don't know if it's academic or medical. Yeah, but, but, the, but I, what you just described but was the— I automatically got elevated. What, what you just described was a perfect example of based on the color of your skin before I knew anything about you. Right. But what equated that? But what, what mitigated that? The color— that? Well, What mitigated it? Their okay. perception let of— me, Let me say this, though. Okay. I'm going to give you an example. This just happened last week. I was on a flight because, you know, I live. You'll be having issues on flights just like me. It wasn't an issue. It wasn't an issue. It was an observation. This was not an issue. Um, I was teasing the guy behind me and I said, hey, if my phone rings, this is where we took off. I said, hey, if my phone rings and it's Denzel, can you just answer it? Let him know that, you know, mom will be right back. You know what he said? Ah, Denzel. That was, he's one of the good ones. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I'm quoting verbatim. I just act like I didn't hear him. But that is. Because I'm, pick, I'm but in 2023. I'm picking my battles. But that permeates the white community. You can't. You can't be mad. I wasn't. But just I'm like, just. just like, I'm just letting you know that like I knew exactly what. Are, but I'm saying okay. to you, okay. there there are what is regarded as safe black people. Throughout my entire trajectory working, sure. I had to wear my hair a certain sure. way. I didn't. I didn't. As far as the law. Right. But I knew in order to be, to your point, Accepted. regarded, ex- yeah. I had to be yeah. safe, yeah. change my voice, change my hair. You know how exhausting that is as a black woman? Oh, I, I gave up. I said that on the air the other day. I, I'm, well, I'm I done. did too. I'm, I'm just done. But I'm just saying like the, the PTSD is so real from the 20 plus years and then add on K through 12. The majority of my life has been trying to be safe, trying to be accepted. And even in that effort, I'm still reminded you're still black. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So for me, you safe. Oh, you're a professor. I'll sit next to you. But guess what? You're still black. When we come back, I'm going to remind Denise or show Denise and you. 855-616-1620 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. I'm going to, to explain or show or whatever it is for you exactly what this word means. Nigrescence. Back to the truth on WTMJ. You're listening to The Truth on TMJ, 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank, get old. Every day, I'm reminded. Nigrescence. Nigrescence, really, there's a thing called nigrescence theory. Uh, Dr. William Cross uh, created it. it. It can be used, and in its base form, you can call it the process of becoming black, Right. Young black kids go through it, and then once they realize that there are certain things in life that are really not for you or that you have to become 
uh, introduced to in order to understand what it is. Uh, So to have an African-American racial identity, right, is is it has to be reconceptualized. Right. You grow up who you are. But then once you realize that you're black, that process, that thing that reminds you is is, in fact, nigrescence. Example. There was a CEO of a major fortune, like 250 company in New York, going to work. First day of work. I want to get there early. Right. So he goes, drives in. He's been to the company, interviews, background check, the whole nine. Right. Gets the job. Mm-hmm. He's now the chief executive officer of a Fortune 250 company. He goes in, he goes underground, he gets in, has a parking, parks in his parking space, he gets out, and as he goes to go in, security comes up and says, excuse me, sir, you can't park there. That's for the CEO. His response is, I know. And the guy says, yeah, but you have to move your car because the CEO is supposed to park there, not you. Now, he knows there was a memo and an email and all this information sent to everybody in the company saying, this is your new CEO. It's all over TV. It's a Fortune 250 company. You know, it's a billion-dollar corporation. Mm-hmm. But yet when he comes to work, the person's mind says, oh, that can't be the guy. Oh, yeah. But what happened to him is he realized, and he wrote this in a book, he realized that throughout his life, He had gone to all the best schools, had done all the great things you're supposed to do, checked all the boxes, got everything on merit. He earned it, gets his dream job, and gets reminded that he's black. And that come down from here where you actually are to being reminded you're black that space is called nigrescence. That process gotcha. you had to go through to go. Yeah. And that 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 the 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 inside death that you go, oh, I thought I had made it. A phrase I heard because I watch a lot of TV and I hear phrases and I write it down. I think that's great. The guy said, We people have been blown up, killed, shot, limbs, taken off go to the hospital and they remove something, you got gang- you got gang- gangrene in your foot, you got to take it off. What do you do when you have an amputated spirit? Mm. What do you do when, wow. when you've been crushed, not, not rebuilt, right? Mm-hmm. You can't get a, 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 a prosthetic spirit. Wow. It's either there or it's gone. How do you rebuild that? You can't. And that's that effect that nigrescence has mm-hmm. when you reprocess yourself, re-conceptualize the fact that you're black. And some people don't recover from it. I can relate. Yeah. I could definitely relate. And thank you for sharing that. Uh-huh. I've never heard of that before, but I could definitely relate. And, and keep in mind, being mm-hmm. a black woman, and I've said this before, and you you kind of, every time I say it, you kind being a black woman is like being black twice in this country because I'm black and I'm a woman. Two, two extremely marginalized 
gender. But and here's the thing: when you're so when you're a white woman, it's you're a woman. However, the fragility is managed. It's responded to. It's protected. Black women, you're stirring up trouble. Why are you being problematic? Why are you being dramatic? Why are you being aggressive? That's been my experience my entire life. And I just recently had an experience with who I regarded as a very dear friend of mine who happens to be a white male. And I told him, you just minimalized my feelings. And I know subconsciously whether you're going to acknowledge it or not as here go another angry black woman complaining and stirring up trouble. My response Wow. But I'm also not shocked. This is The Truth on WTMJ. You're listening to The Truth. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. She is Denise Thomas. It's 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 interesting. Um do, 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 do. I should clarify. So um there's, there's follow-up. I should clarify. We say it's okay to say Negro. The other word is never okay. What other word? Is, is she saying like the N-word? Yeah. Um, we say African-American or black. Is that appropriate? I want to teach the historical literature correctly. Well, first of all, like anyone, whether you perceive yourself to be white or Italian or Irish or whatever, whatever your ethnicity is, in in instead of trying to teach the historical literature correctly, teach what it says and then compare it to today. Let them make up their minds because eventually they may grow up if they're black or white and decide who they are. Right. I find it interesting in America that we allow people to be what they are. They can marry chairs and doors and call themselves he said chairs. Non weak. Actually, that we can call ourselves non-binary and all, all these things, and it's okay, and everybody else should accept it. But when it comes to race, there's always pushback. And so she says, I heard the response. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And one of the things I want to add is that you have to recognize and realize that everybody's an individual. And if we can take the time to figure out someone's gender and address them in a certain way, then if we can put he, she, her, it, dog, cat, whatever, we should be able to put black too. But I'll bet if you put on a screen in parentheses, black, African-American, well, why is that there? Well, why is your her, he there? Why, why is your he, she, whatever, why is that there? And so I went and spoke to a group of kids and they said, well, you don't have your thing. I said, I don't have to have that. He said, why? I said, you can address me as whatever way you want, whatever way, whatever you think I am. I mean, I, it boils down to whatever you feel right. is your identity. Educate. But teach. I don't have to tell you. I you don't. Be, you understand what I'm you saying? You don't. But right. there are people, like, I have nothing against pronouns. Well, I think they're stupid. I, I don't. Okay. I, I don't have a problem. No, no. I don't have issue. a problem with it. I just think they're stupid because when you try to make me have them. That's the issue I have. Oh, okay. Now, yeah, no one should tell you how you should identify yourself. There are some companies that tell you, we pay you, you need to put a pronoun in. I'm like, I'm done. Well, that's a whole other ball game because when you Bye. work for a company, 
<laughs> There's a lot of policies that what? you have to adhere to. That's why I, I am. That company anymore. I was going to say, that's why I'm a CEO <laughs> of what? Be Effective Communication Coach. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother talk. That's, that's a whole nother a whole, segment. That just, I'm just. And so we keep talking about we believe we live in America, home, the land of the free, home of the brave, as long as you think, walk, talk, talk, talk and do what I say you should do. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Why do we have a constitution then? Well, but you'll offend people. Well, well, you'll hurt somebody's feelings. Where anywhere in the lexicon of humanity does it say you can't get your feelings hurt? Nowhere. Or that you should get fired because you hurt somebody's feelings. Get over yourself. Are you really that important? Well, here's no. the thing. And, and as the, the history of America, we respond we react. Right. We never. We're never proactive, generally speaking. Oh, there we are. And so, take my money. We this don't. is what happens <laughs> when you have a mass group of people saying, "I don't want to work," and and the reason is because I don't work in a healthy environment. Mentally, it's toxic. Then the companies have to what? React. So then it goes to extreme. You, hey, <laughs> again, I'm the founder and owner and CEO yep. of yours truly. I don't get it. I don't understand. I, but here's the thing. You don't have to. But I shouldn't have to. That's what I'm saying. You don't have but, to. But now I'm ignorant. I Listen, for me, as a me coach, old. as a coach in communication, right. I just want to make sure that everybody feels good and has a happy life. Yes, there will be some hurt feelings. Yes, there will be. But overall, you are living a happy, prosperous, abundant life. That's what my coaching is about. Welcome back to The Truth on WTMJ. We don't make music like that anymore. We don't. Oh, man. I'm not supposed to say that because that sounds like an old person. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Dr. Kid. You're not no, old. No, you just called Mary J. Barge old. That's what you just did. She's older. I'm older. I'll be Real. 47. Everybody's older than you. This is true. Show some respect. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great hanging out with you. Always, always, yeah. Dr. Ken. And we'll be back. No, we won't be back next week, right? We'll be back uh, on the 12th. March 12th. Because they kicked us out. Man, it's all good. The old National Bank talk and text line is 855-616-1620. Any final perspectives, questions that you have? Let me let me know. Let they Dr. Ken know. the boot. No, no, you cannot come back. Get out. We are we are leaving on our own discretion and liberty. <laughs> we ain't coming back. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, that's what we call it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be a great week. Uh, I'm excited to co-host. Yes, the you truth are. tomorrow In the morning. morning. 101.7 FM. The truth. In the I'm going to be actually traveling to, and correct me if I'm, because I, I never said this correctly. What? Is it Cartagena, Colombia? Cartagena. I'll be there doing a speaking engagement. Okay. This week. So I'm español? No. <laughs> <laughs> that is one word. That, that is, accent was offensive. That is your. No. Why <laughs> like, that was like, do like, you that do was that? Like, uh, uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. As a black woman, I'm do not teasing. come to me about racism, okay? Please. You have no right to come to me about any form of racism as a black woman. That will get me to snap. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Now I can go back to my loving voice. What was that about? Man, don't trigger me. Oh, but don't she gets ever, to trigger me. Don't ever, about... ever, ever accuse a she, black woman in she, America of being racist. She triggers me about being old. That triggers me. 
That's ageism, it not racism. Doesn't matter. Oh, so racism <laughs> is better than it? I'm done with you. I'm done. Just I love you, that, Dr. Ken. I'm not coming back till the 12th. I love you. I love all people. I'm not coming back till the 12th. I love those that. that love me. I love you, too. I give you what but you give me. But I'm not coming back till the 12th. <laughs> you know people think we don't like each other, right? I know. That's I know. good, though. That yes, keeps the does. ratings up. Yes, it does. Can't stand Dr. King. Have a great evening. Uh, don't uh, work too hard. Evan, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Patrick work hard, play hard. News. Oh, of course. And 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 Denise? Yes. Fly in the front of the plane next time. Always. Okay? All right. You could believe that. <laughs>